Welcome back to another episode of Modern Heathenry, uh, Movers and Shakers. I am so excited to uh, to, to bring you this uh, uh, this interview. By the way, my name is Everett Farnell, and uh, I'm flying solo this week. Brian is uh, spending some time with his family and uh, and catching up from his uh, 12-hour days, five and six days a week. So he's uh, uh, he's doing the family thing today. But I have an interview that I have wanted to get on for, uh, for a long time now. And uh, I'm really excited to bring, it to, uh, bring this interview to you because this guy personifies everything that modern heathenry is about. Um, he, he's, yes, he knows the lore, but no, he's not so wrapped up in the lore that he can give you a quote from some arcane monk, you know, some dusty old arcane monk wrote, you know, 500 years ago or something. He is wrapped up in applying his heathenry to improve his life and improve his life. He has, uh, I've known him. I, I can't believe it's been almost 20 years, but I'll bet you it's been the better part of 15 years now. So so we're sneaking up on 20. And I have seen him constantly improve every step of the way. But at the same time, he still has the same group of guys, the same uh, uh, the same few guys around him, quality individuals around him that, uh, that help everybody. Uh, so he is building, he's growing, he's doing things. He's improving himself, but at the same time, he has the tribe around him that makes him strong. He is, uh, in many ways, uh, like I said, uh, uh, everything that modern heathenry is about. So I'm, I'm really excited to bring to uh, bring to you today, uh, Chris Jackio, a big gun for those of you guys who've been around uh, as long as I have, and uh, Chris, it is, uh, uh, it's incredible to have you on the interview. Thank you for for agreeing to it. And uh, let's just go ahead and get the plug out of the way because I want to make sure we don't forget about it. And we are uh, liable to get to talking and forget about it. So everybody needs to get over to Tier 1 Viking Wear. I just got uh, just just got four or five shirts. Uh, uh, I forget how many I ordered, but they're, uh, they're fucking awesome. Great quality. The last order, the, the T-shirts, I used them and abused them for better than two years. And there's uh, uh, before it was uh, before they were... Uh, uh, anybody who, who goes through t-shirts like I do knows how quickly they wear out. So tier one Viking wear, go get it's great quality and it's great message and it's a great way to, to, to spread the word of heathenry. And, uh, you're still doing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me on Everett. I'm really excited to, uh, to, uh, get back on the air. Okay. So, so we got, uh, we got tier one, uh, the tier one podcast you're still doing, um, 
you have a uh, uh, you have a strength training gym uh, there in in Alabama. Um, you have so so yep. yeah it's, so, uh, so tier one Viking barbell yeah tier one Viking barbell. Uh, I keep seeing a a common theme here with uh, <laughs> with tier one Viking. Um, well, so you're building yeah. a brand. Good for you. Well, it, you know the the whole. Yeah, well, that's that's what it, what it, it just came to me, you know, with the with the clothing line, um, and you know, it was successful. And I said, well, you know, people know that, so everything else from me, they should relate to that, you know. And it's, it's just evolved from there, right? You know, the podcast Tier One Viking Radio, the the gym Tier One Viking Barbell, you know, you you have to become synonymous with your brand, and then with the identity that it, that it stands for. And that's basically what I've done. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great lifestyle brand. So, uh, so go and find, uh, seek out everything tier one Viking and listen to it and uh, uh, be part of it and support Chris because uh, he's doing fabulous work. So, yeah, so it's great to have you on, man. It's been a while since we talked, um, but uh, you know, yep. like always, it's uh, uh, it's always great catching up with, uh, with old friends and, and uh seeing what's going on so what what's what's the latest thing going on in uh in your world as of uh, last 12 months 24 months what's going on well um let's see we'll take it back a little bit the uh you know you know i, I compete in strongman um i've been an athlete my entire life and uh throughout the years that's been a sport that's kind of eluded me just because it's been you know very rare um, and you know, 2015 strongman competition um, was Alabama strongest man as a novice. Um, the next year, I did it again as a master and took third place. Um, and since then, I've started winning. I've done uh, 2017 uh, Alabama strongest man, first place in the masters. Uh, 2018 Mississippi strongest man, um, again in the masters division. Um, it, it the sport is it's what I've been looking for my entire life. You know, there's there's a huge uh, crossover with uh, you know our ancestry. You know, all the, in the old days, everybody remembers watching the world's strongest man and all the Vikings used to dominate. You know, uh, you know Magnus, all the Magnuses, you know, Sven Carlson, all those guys. Right. So it's definitely something I've been drawn to, um, to the point. You know, I also you know part of my business. I do a online remote coaching. Um, I do some one-on-one personal training, right programs. Uh, several athletes, um, most of which, you know, are, are heathen that, uh, have excelled, uh, in, in won competitions in their own right, state competitions, they've gone to nationals, um, done great things. So that's really taken up a huge part of my life. And, uh, of course this, this year in, uh, April, I was competing and I ruptured my bicep tendon, um, on a farmer's carry, had surgery in May and that, you know, gave me a little down, down time. So I, I work project uh, recently on a, a bit of a hiatus, um, and there was, there was you know a reason for that, but um, that's backing up up and running now, and uh, getting ready for the dual tide season coming up, up, taking up a lot of my time. That's a that's pretty much it, man. Still doing what I can, training and trying to get back healthy physically so I can start competing again in 2019. And we're having some uh, <clears throat> having some network problems, Chris. Give me just a second. I'm gonna 
swap networks here and see if we can get because we're, we're cutting in and out it's very frustrating but uh bear with me just a second oh okay i'm a All right, so. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. All right, so that should, uh, that should help out some. So, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you, you have, uh, as always, you have a, a ton of stuff going on. Um, we got, uh, uh, I, I mean, you, you, so let's, let's just run it down. Um, when I met you. Yep. Uh, when I met you, you had had a, uh, uh, and like I said, that's almost 20 years ago, you had had some, uh, uh, a little bit of tangling with, uh, with law enforcement on the wrong side of the, on the wrong side of the deal there, but, and you've never hidden from yep. that or anything. So that's a long time ago. So that's when we first met you had, you were, you were, I remember that you were looking to do strong man back then. And since then you have, uh, uh, you've, you did some, some, uh, MMA competitions, if, if memory serves, um, you yep. got back into strongman and now, I, I mean, let's face it for, you know, for the, the master's division, you're obviously dominating it in your area. Uh, the strongest, uh, strongest old guy in, uh, in Alabama and Mississippi. And I say old guy with a bunch of affection cause you and I are the same age or, or real close to the same age. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> the, uh. Uh, you also have um, your clothing line. Uh, you have uh, outfitted and opened a gym. Um, you actually have a day job that you've been working on for, I, I mean, I don't know how long you've been working at this job, but if memory serves, it's close to 10 years, isn't it, or, or more? Yeah, we're going on 11 years now. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, I, I mean, what what causes that kind of radical transformation um, over the course of a 15 year period now, 15 years, long, long time, 20 years, long time. So I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, so, you know, obviously there's growth there, but, but, you know, you say 20 years, a long time, but then you look at a lot of people and it, the last 20 years, they, they haven't done anything. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to the same bars and they're hanging out with the same people and they're doing the same thing, uh, that they were doing 20 years ago. You obviously are not. So, you know, give us some insight. What, what uh, what prompted you to uh, get beyond where you were at back then and really turn your life around and, and do such amazing things with it? Well, first of all, let me kind of take it back to the beginning. You mentioned that, you know, I did have some legal issues. And full disclosure, you know, I, I got in trouble with, uh, um, you know, drug-related stuff. Um, it was bad enough to, you know, it's one of those things where people really don't necessarily recover from a hundred percent, you know, um, I, you know, I fought addiction and, uh, um, the system, which is, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, it's not about rehabilitation. It's more about, you know, uh, punishment. And, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where you, you take that adversity and you become stronger from it. And that was how it started, honestly, you know, because at that point I realized that, okay, oh shit, you know, this is what I did in my life. Um, you know, how do I evolve now? And around that time, I'm sure you'll remember, you know, uh, I, I, I get, got very, very close with, with Odin, or as I affectionately call him, the old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, you know, his, what, his insight to me was um, we have to strive for the constant progression of ourselves to our, to our higher self. 
you know, we have to evolve, continue to evolve to become sort of a God form ourselves. You know, what we aspire to be is what we hold at, at, the, at the highest. You know, we look at these, these images, you know, our ancestors, our heroes, our gods, and that's our goal. That should be our goal. That's what we're striving for. And that's, that's the philosophy. That's, that's the mental, you know, outlook that I had since then, you know, just have to constantly evolve. And, you know, we all have read the lore and we know about, you know, the, uh, the, the old guys that were devoted to the old man, you know, they always, um, died young, you know, and, and everybody always said, well, that's because they reached their, you know, they reached their pinnacle. They weren't going to get any better. And, you know, he wants them, you know, in, as I know you are that, uh, at, at their best. You know, so I'm like, well, I'm pushing 45, and he ain't took me yet, so I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's what it comes down to, and that's what I always come back to every time I do have a setback, or you know, uh, something something doesn't work out. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I have to come back from this, and I have to be better than I was when I started it, and that's just that constant progression. So it's, uh, uh, in in some ways, it's it's the one of the fundamentals of our folkway, which is hero worship. And, uh, yeah. you know, too many people don't understand what hero worship is and, and what it truly is at, at the foundation. People uh, people hear the word hero, you know, the, the term hero worship, and they assume that, uh, that it means that you are... Uh, 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 you know, kind of, you know, they, they, it's a, a starry eye, you're kind of starry eyed about the, and, and getting wrapped up in the, <clears throat> pardon me, in the accomplishments of other people. When the truth is that hero worship is all about um, taking these people or an idealized form of these people. I mean, let's face it, uh, heroes are human too. Um, so yep. we mythicize them so that they become more than human. And uh, and then saying that's what I want to be. I want to be that mythic character. I want to be, uh, you know, the person who who uh, I, I want to be the person that 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 archetype is, and then working to get there. And uh, you know, it it one of one of the real challenges I had is because I, I I always want to do everything next month. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to get mm-hmm. everything done this week. And it's uh, my real challenge has always been that that the the real path is through constant small improvements, uh, not through absolutely uh, sweeping change that that uh, you know that changes everything in your life. Uh, you know, one percent per day is not three hundred and sixty five percent at the end of the year. It's like you know twenty five hundred percent or three thousand percent or something. It's uh, it's ridiculous because it because it accumulates. Uh, it's like walking upstairs as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, you know as opposed to jumping, uh, you know jumping up to the second floor. Um, uh, so you know that's I, I think people miss the idea that hero worship is not about um, pining away at somebody else you know for somebody else, but it's about building yourself up to that to become your own hero. Absolutely, I agree. And I, the term "hero worship" is also kind of misleading. I know it's, you know, a commonly used term, but you know, if, if we said like "hero emulation" or something like that, it might be a little bit more, you know, um, understandable. And I think that, you know, by doing that, by by creating, you know, the the image of these heroes, and um, you say a lot of people don't understand it, and I think that's because they they 
first of all, they don't they don't understand it. Second of all, they don't have the capabilities of becoming that. You know, and and maybe their heroes are just not all, you know that great anyway. I don't know, uh, but we, there's definitely a lack of understanding as to what it is, and it usually gets labeled as you know um, all these catch terms they have now like hyper masculinity toxic masculinity whatever um you know because we're looking to be something great we want to aspire to be something greater than ourselves um and you know obviously it's a lot of men that you know emulate these heroic men from from the lore you know um so we it's i just see a lot of that and it's a it's a minor annoyance but i don't let it hinder me is, uh, as far as the goals, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, short-term goals is what has made me, uh, the, you know, gave me the little bit of success that I've had. I don't look at, you know, accomplishing, I, I never looked at accomplishing like, like opening a gym. I never looked at it like this. It was always the next piece of equipment. It was always, you know, um, where am I going to put this equipment now? Mm-hmm. You know, the little steps. And over the course of uh, under two years, I've invested uh, over ten thousand dollars in in what I have, and haven't borrowed a single penny from the bank. And it's because I take those small steps rather than trying to, you know, jump in the deep end headfirst and hope you you know don't drown. Right. Well, in, in the in the uh, business realm, um, uh, oh, what Damon John has a book called The Power of Broke. And, and the premise of the book is that uh, there's power in not having a ton of financial resources to go out and buy everything because you got to be, uh, you know, you, you, you have to be creative and you have to work and, and uh, do, you know, do what you do what you did instead of going and borrowing money, which I'm sure you could do. Uh, but instead of going and borrowing mm-hmm. money, you, uh, you know, you got creative with how you're putting everything together, uh, looked and got the equipment where you could get the equipment from and... Uh, you know, did your thing. And now you have a gym and I assume you have paying members coming to the gym and, uh, you know, and you have, uh, uh, so that, that's, that's a, um, uh, I think that that creativity and uh, that uh, uh, willing, I, I hate the term, I'm trying to think of a different term to use, which is why I'm stumbling a little bit. But the, the term that comes to mind is thinking outside of the box, but I hate that term because it's so overused. But I think that yeah, that yeah. that creativity, that that willingness not to do what everybody says you're supposed to do, is uh, where a lot of uh, well, it's where a lot of success is is bred. I know that for sure. But I also think that it's uh, a lot of that comes from uh, you know, there's a lot of that in our uh, in our folkway. There's a lot of that in the lore. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, people not doing. Uh, what maybe the 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 average person would do in a situation, and that leads to like like for example, uh, let's look at uh, Harold Hardrada, right? And I hope I pronounce mm-hmm. that right. The guy gets uh, the guy gets exiled. His whole family's killed uh, by his uncle. He gets exiled. It was his uncle, right? It's been a while since I read the saga, but um, he gets uh, he gets exiled and. He's basically he has nothing. I mean, he's basically uh, you know he's broke and he's he's living in a different country and he and he's a now most people would have uh, you know either given up or maybe decided well I guess I'm going to be a farmer and you know gone and and but no he he's no we're not going to do this we're gonna we're going to put together an army 
and uh, uh, and then we're going to go take my throne back. Um, you know, that's that's just such a for most people that's such a uh, the idea of start of of having everything stripped from you and rebuilding it is so far outside of their their norm uh much less you know starting from zero and and building up i uh, i hope i'm making sense here i my uh yeah absolutely well i mean first of all i i want to say don't worry because i absolutely guarantee there's somebody out there that will correct you on the pronunciation <laughs> and anything on the story that you got wrong. <laughs> yes, it'll be somebody that's what who, they do, right? Uh-huh. Um, second of all, it's 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 a it's just the, the way you look at things. You know, people say, "Well, look at how much I lost." You know, I could never do this again. Well, you're you're screwing yourself right there because you did it once. You proved that you could do it once. So. You can absolutely do it again. And the, the, the difference is this time you know how to do it because you've done it once. You've got experience. Right. So it's, you, you, people just sell themselves short when they get hit with that level of adversity, that, you know, that big drop and like, oh, my, what am I going to do now? Well, you know exactly what to do. Do it. Right, right. Yeah, the, the going down the road the second time is easier because uh, yeah. you already did it once. <laughs> you already know the path. Um Absolutely, and and it's a so so. Here's a here's a question because you are a constant mm-hmm. action taker. Um, you know, I, I mean, you you coined the phrase. I think you coined it. You you certainly coined it. As far as I'm concerned, boots on the ground heathenry, uh, meaning that that we're yep. actually doing something. Um, a lot of people are scared to take action. They they they're literally they they. Just, I mean, they can't. The idea of owning a gym. And owning a uh, a t-shirt line or a fashion line or however however you you uh, uh, you know you you uh, uh, term that um, the idea of uh, of doing a podcast uh, you know and 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 by the way let me tell you Chris is one of the very few people who can carry off a podcast by himself. There's like you know that that's a real talent and. Uh, most people can't do that. That's why you see most podcasts are uh, are run with interviews, um, or they have co-hosts. Right. But uh, but Chris carries off the podcast beautifully on his own. So go go listen, uh, Tier One Viking Podcast. I I don't know if you're doing any new episodes, but the even, even yep, if I just Tier One Viking Radio Radio. Okay, my my my, I, my apologies. Yeah, and I just no problem. Uh, I just I just did a, a couple episodes, and I've got two more transcribed and lined up. And um, it, I know it's, I went on vacation a couple of weeks ago and haven't done a podcast since then, but um, it's it's coming. This is uh, what I call the side the side effects of buying a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to do anything but ride it, right? So, right. Um, so yeah. So I mean, what what gives you the oomph to do? I mean, what I was saying is that people would not, you know, I mean, I mean, the idea of doing that is so foreign to most people. They they would they would expect to sprout wings and fly to the moon before they do everything that you're doing. You're you're constantly in action somehow. What what's the what's the secret? What's the story? What's what gives you the ability to do that? It's really not a secret, man. I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't have a direct answer because it's just what comes naturally. And you know, you, you mentioned boots on the ground heathen. Yes, I did. I I. I coined that phrase i've never heard anyone else say it before um i you know did a a podcast episode just on that and i'm glad you you know you asked the question because it's a huge 
it's been a huge factor with me as of late is why I actually stopped doing the podcast. And yeah, I got a knack for, you know, keeping, keeping my voice rolling for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. But at some point I started to feel like I was being a hypocrite and no offense to you guys. I mean, it's a, it's a necessary thing to get on the air and talk to people and, and educate people and give your opinions. But I was doing it so much that I started to feel like, well, I'm talking more than I'm doing, you know? So all the things that I, I, I went back and I looked at everything that I talked about and I said, okay, now I have to do all of this. Right. Now I have to actually put my boots on the ground, not just here and there, but I have to accomplish all these things and live up to my word. And, and that's, that's what kind of drew me away from the podcast. And I knew that at some point I'd come back and I'd, you know, lay out some more groundwork for myself um, and that's one of the reasons I love doing the podcast is it, it, it creates accountability for me to hold myself to. It's okay. Now I said it and I got to make sure I've either done it or I'm going to do it, you know? Right. Um, so it, it's, that's a big part of what it is. It's accountability. You know, I, I grew up just understanding that, you know, that being drilled into my head, but you know, parents and grandparents and great grandparents, and um, you know, just do what you say. And, that's a big part of it. And I think that a lot of, you know, heathens today, I call, I, I'll tell you, I caught a lot of flack for that phrase. A lot of flack. So many heathens out there were just like, oh, they're just trying to, you know, get out from from not having to read books and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, look, when you were still, you know, finishing your 12th grade homework, I was reading the lore. You know, and I learned what, what it is, you know, what it is I needed to learn from it and, you know, put that into action. And we right. don't, you, you just don't see it anymore. You don't, you don't see um, a lot of heathens putting their boots on the ground, even though, you know, I, a, a lot of people took well to what I said. You know, a lot of people revolted against it. They'd rather put their ass in a chair at a coffee shop and drink a $7 latte and talk about how the nine noble virtues are not you know, real. Yeah. That, <laughs> I'm like, that's what not good historically accurate because there's nowhere that says <laughs> yeah. the nine noble virtues anywhere. And uh, just look here. The Venerable Bede wrote in 1327 in his dusty old monastery. Um, sorry, I, I get uh, I, I laugh like hell at those guys. And, and by the way, you won't you won't hurt our feelings with uh, with saying too many people are, are do too much talking on podcasts. The only reason we don't put out more is because Brian and I are both too busy doing real life shit to put out more podcasts. Sure, I know, I mean, I know. We don't create. Believe me, if I if I thought it were otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here talking. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, that's that's. We don't create half. The, I know you guys. Yeah, we don't create half the content that we would love to create uh, because there's uh, uh, you know there's there's real life, there's kids, and there's uh, there's businesses, and there's uh, uh, you know, and and there's there's actual real things going on so so yeah you won't hurt our feelings with uh with any of that uh well, we agree with you here's here's the thing here's the thing I, I also realized in doing that that like i said a lot of a lot of heathens today are i'm gonna just say it, they're lazy mm-hmm. okay it's it's what what it comes down to and here's my um here's my observation to prove this okay when i was hot and heavy in a podcast i wanted to do something to really, really instill the boots on the ground message. So I created what I called the Valsung Initiative. Keyword, 
initiative, right? Right. It means getting up and doing something. Um, and, you know, I, I put a lot of work and time into organizing events and getting people, you know, to, to take part in these events, whether it would be, you know, a strength training seminar, you know, uh, something tactical, a tactical seminar. And the response was just next to nothing, you know? And I'm like, all these people talking about want to put their boots on the ground. They want to do this. They want to do that. But what, what's going on, right? In the meantime, in the meantime, I'm looking at other, you know, endeavors, and I'll go ahead and say it, you know, like Operation Werewolf, right, mm-hmm. that, you know, is hugely successful. And now, now Paul's a great motivator. He's got charisma, and I'm sure that's a big part of it. But I look at the people involved, and they come from outside heathenry. Right. Now, a lot of them are heathen now. A lot of them are heathen now, but that's not where they came from. So what's the common denominator there? Well, I don't understand why so many heathens. I guess there's a, maybe a sense of entitlement that they think they own this religion or something, and they don't have to you know, get their hands dirty. You know, well, I'm too good to be a thrall or something like that. Well, you got to start somewhere. You know, so, I mean, kudos to those guys, uh, you know, for, for being successful. Uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely did something I, I didn't. So, um, I, I'm, I, I guess I went on a kind of a rant there. No, no, that that's, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and, uh, uh, and, and I'm a big fan of what Paul is doing. And, you know, I buy his stuff. I, I support him financially. I watch his videos. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I do, uh, support what he's doing over there. His he's a little bit too far outside of the uh, you know of, of. In other words, I I have a wife and kids, and you know what I mean. And and I know some people in yeah. Operation Werewolf have wives and kids, and so, but but my world is <clears throat> a little closer to the mainstream uh, than uh, you know than Operation Werewolf. They're they're a little too far outside of, uh, uh, too far away from society for me. I, I'm not a big, uh, you know, I'm not big on, uh, you know, society. I, I don't wear suits and I'm, you know, and I don't go to the, to the right parties and meet the right people. Cause most of them disgust me. But, uh, but that said, um, you know, I do have to, I, I do have my foot in that world, uh, you know, in, in my, uh, consulting practice, uh, and in my, you know, I mean, and in, in, in some of my other businesses, my contracting company, I have, you know, I mean, I deal with normies every day in the contracting company. And, sure. you know, yeah. you show up, uh, you know, you show up looking like Paul at somebody's house and try to sign them up to, uh, you know, to try to sell them contracting work. And they, they kind of freak out a little bit. Um, you know, they don't want to let you in and stuff. And, and that's, that's just the aesthetic that maybe that's not, maybe it shouldn't be like that, but it is like that. So, uh, I, I, I'm and a big I'm, fan of what I'm he's doing, but my, and, and by the way, it's funny that you say that he draws from outside of heathenry because frankly, that's a discussion that Brian and I have had a lot. And I've said, listen, we need to, uh, we need to be ready to draw from outside of heathenry. We can't, you know, we can't just draw people, uh, draw heathens because there's number one, there's not enough. And number two, uh, we'll never get anywhere. Because there's only a handful right. of people who are willing to do anything. We've got to go get people from outside of heathenry who, uh, you know, who who will um, uh, agree with the premises that we're giving because there's just not enough people within heathenry who are willing to do something. So, Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's uh, 
Master Tim would say, that's the part of uh, procreation in tribe building. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's growing. You know, it's growing uh, the tribe and, and or the, the the belief system, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I agree wholeheartedly. And I also like with myself in my own life. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but my full time job is for a defense contractor. So obviously. You know, there's certain things that I have to walk a fine line on. Right. You know, uh, I'm, I'm like you. I can't, you know, show up to work with a tattoo across my throat, even though I do have rings on my neck. Um, <laughs> you know, there's a there's there's a line there. Uh, I, when I have to speak to, you know, uh, Navy officers, um, it, they're they're going to look at me a certain way, and um, it. I, I guess it is. It's it's kind of painful for me to admit because I don't like it, but it's the world we live in now here's the thing here's the thing i I don't if you listen to some of my podcasts i often compare modern society to the declining roman empire right and that's that's where we live that's that's where we live that's what i envision this as and if you if you look back at the the roman empire you know the barbarians were a huge part of the roman empire Mm -hmm. you know they they stayed and worked within the Roman Empire. They they used their military tactics and everything like that and um, gained wealth from them, but they remained true to their barbarian roots. And when the time came, when the empire fell, that's who they were. They were still barbarians. And, you know, the empire fell to barbarians anyway. So that's that's my philosophy on it is, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have to play along nice with society a lot of times, but I will always remain true to my barbarian roots, and that's what I'll go back to when the time comes, if it happens in my lifetime. Right, and and I agree with you. I agree with you there. You you, and I think that's the the right way to approach it. Is um, we have to live in our host society. I, I mean that that's that's the that's the fact of the matter. And uh, you know, while I train, you know, while our my my MMA gym does not have air conditioning, so we train in the heat. Um, you know, the fact is I like my air conditioning when I'm sleeping, you know, <laughs> so sure, you yeah. know, we, we have, you know, there, there is unquestionably advantages to working within, you know, I mean, if you really want to eschew society, then, uh, you know, you're talking about giving up a lot of comforts. So I, I, we, you know, we try to walk the line and, and walk it just, just like you described it. Um, you have to live in the host society and, and there's a lot of people who are worth talking to and worth connecting with, who are not ready to walk away from the host society yet because they've never been introduced to concepts or to ideas that would allow them to do that. Uh, and by introducing right. them to some, you know, to some of these ideas, we can, uh, you know, we can, we can help get some of the, you know, uh, I, I guess the, the modern inter, uh, internet lingo on it, which is, you know, whatever, but it, it is, is red pill some normies. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, but in order to do that, you have to be relatable enough that they can, you know, that, that, that they'll listen to you. Like you said, you know, probably those Navy officers, if they sat down and started talking to you at length, they would probably find, uh, you would find a ton of stuff in common. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, gonna, they're going to react to you a certain way if they can, if they see you on the street, not, you know, I mean, obviously it, 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 you're working at a defense contractor. They know that you're an employee there and everything. So that, that kind of gives you that, uh, uh, you know, a certain amount of, uh, 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 a certain amount of credibility with them. But if they saw you on the street, 
they would react to you a certain way. They'd react to me a certain way too, because, you know, I mean, I got the tattoos all up the arm and nothing on my neck, but, um, I never had the, uh, I never had the, the, uh, never had the, 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 uh, intestinal fortitude to get a thurisaz tattooed on me. Um, <laughs> a blooded thurisaz. Yeah. About on the that. Neck. Say what? But yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 we've kind of gone off, uh, kind of gone into a strange area here, but, but I think it's, uh, I think it's important to, you know, to, to, because all of heathenry, I mean, look, the lore is replete with examples of people who are, uh, you know, of the gods trying to get giantesses, giantesses to come into Asgard and the giants trying to get the goddesses to come to Jotunheim. Uh, you know, that that's a common theme throughout the lore is that everybody's trying to get everybody else's chicks. Um, and, yeah. you know, so so we've got to recognize that there's there's wisdom there. Uh, you know, there well, there is procreation. That's one way to build a tribe. But it's going to take, you know, 47000 years for us to get any population. If we if we do it strictly by procreation, we've got to. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody hates recruitment. Everybody, you, the only way we're going to bolster the number of heathens and really be taken seriously as a religion is is by recruiting people. Right, and I, let me clarify: when I said procreation, I didn't mean like the biological in the biological sense. Procreation is, you know, right. um, recruitment. It is. It's just it's bringing more people to the tribe. Um, so. I agree with you there, of course. Yeah, yeah. And and as far as this being a rare a rare topic, I don't I don't think it is. You know, because it's a, if you think of the word heathen, you know, uh, what what does it mean? Heath dwellers, people that live outside of the norm. You know, that's that's kind of where it all comes from. You know, and and uh, the modern ad- adaptation of the word is, of course, you know what it is. Someone who you know subscribes to the beliefs of the, you know, indigenous indigenous Northern European people, but. You know, an etymologist would would disagree with that, and and I think that there's still value to the um, the reality of the definition of that word. Words do mean things. Yes. Well, you're you're talking my language there. I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I'm a writer. It's one of my uh, one of my businesses is is all about writing. So, um, so yeah, words definitely uh, words have power. Um, I have uh, uh, I've I've oftentimes said that actual rune magic is speaking and if you go back and look at all the rune magic ever done in the uh in the lore it has something to do it always has something to do with intonation uh you know and i i happen to absolutely think, i happen to think that that speaking things is what uh you know it, it, it that vibration so again we go back to the beginning when uh you know to the beginning of uh, uh beginning of time it was a vibration a noise a sound a wave is what uh you know what created uh, uh what created the the uh, where where the whole entire nine worlds were created out of so it's uh you know words are powerful they do mean things and uh you know i think it's important to uh, uh I, I think it's important to keep that in mind um when when you're when people are speaking, I hate people who are loosey goosey with language. Uh, you know they they just don't. Yeah, me too. They, they you know I mean they they say something, say things they don't mean. You know, and then yep. when you um, when you call them on it, it's oh well you know what I'm talking about. Uh, 
No, I don't. Know no, no, talking. I don't. <laughs> Not at all. That's why I hate small talk. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, it, you're absolutely right. If you think about it, I mean, and I've talked about this a, a bunch of times. Um, you know, everything that you speak, like look at uh, look at our, one of our holiest, you know, right symbol. You know, everything that you speak over the horn resonates into the well of weird. Well, it's it's, it's still just a word. You know what I mean? It's still just you know the, the the vibrations that we're producing you know out of our bodies and and if it's powerful there you know it should be powerful everywhere else if you hold it to that standard it will be powerful everywhere else your word should always mean thing something so uh, uh, absolutely you know um and and as far as the runes go i've always thought that because if you really look at look at a lot of the rune books out there now I'm not saying I've read every one. I've read a lot of Edward Thorson stuff, and then um, I've read a lot of the newer stuff, which is kind of hokey. But it all goes back to the Galder, the speaking of the runes, mm-hmm. um, and the stuff that you see that it isn't related to that is usually the more new agey, you know, fluff bunny type stuff with a blank rune and stuff like that. Yes, Ralph Bloom. Learn, yeah. learn the runes and know your doom. Just don't learn them from Ralph Bloom. <laughs> um, the uh, well, you know that the the whole thing is the 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 blank rune is is a spare one. In case you lose one, you can you can carve a new rune for it. It's a replacement. That's the, that's what I thought the first time I saw it. <laughs> I was like, oh look, <laughs> how neat is that? They give you a replacement just in case. Um, so what, one of the things I always like to do, uh, that, that we always, uh, you know, I always like to, I like to present concepts. I like to talk about interesting things, but then I always want to give the listener something that they can do to start applying some of the concepts that we talked about. So we've talked about a few things we've talked about, uh, you know, uh, uh, about expansion of heathenry. We've talked about, um, uh, uh, we've talked about uh, uh, having the courage to move forward to do something and, and take action, and uh, you know, which is is kind of the 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 basis really of of everybody's success. But in particular, yours is that you just keep doing and doing and doing. Um, so uh, uh, you know, so what? Let's uh, you know what? One thing we haven't talked about. So let's do two things right now. Let's talk about. Uh, uh, let's, let's give, talk about tribe because you guys are one of, you know, I mean, I, I have known a lot of heathens for a long time and I have rarely seen, uh, a heathen group, uh, last as long as you guys, you and CD in Alabama. Um, you know, you guys have been friends for, it's gotta be close to 20 years and have been doing things together. 2006. Yeah. Doing things together and hanging out and doing your thing. Um, and, and really building a, uh, you know, building, a uh, building something there. And I know people have come and go and, you know, there's, you had, you had a, uh, a, a contingent for a while that you, you guys split into two separate groups because you were separated by, by a lot of geography and, you know, a lot of miles. But, um, what is it, do you think is at the core of that success as far as, as far as building your tribe? Identity, plain and simple. Here's the thing. When we started back in, you know, the early 2000s, uh, you remember we were Hildolf Kindred. Yep. And, you know, when we started, we had a solid group of people that had the same identity, the same mission. 
um, it, Heathen Reed was just a part of it. You know, we were also, you know, law enforcement, ex-law enforcement, military, ex-military. We all had that, um, for lack of a better word, warrior ethos background. Um, and that created a strong bond between us because we were all proven men and proven women, you know. So we we had that identity. And as you saw the growth of Hildolf Kindred, at some point we grew to um, over 40 members, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a very small ge- geographical area. Uh, when you think about it, you know, the, the Gulf Coast states between, you know, Florida and um, Mississippi, it grew so fast that it brought all these different identities into play. And as that happened, the, uh, you know, the core was diluted. We were no longer that warrior kindred that, you know, a lot of people wanted to point fingers at, but, you know, we, we had different aspects and, and, and it's great. And it brought a lot of different, um, different experiences and different learning venues to us, but it, it, it diluted the identity and it eventually, proved to be catastrophic because the, you know, the, the, the kindred failed. Um, and over time, like you've said, the, the nucleus of the kindred, you know, like people like myself, uh, CD, you know, quite a few more have always stayed true to that identity because that's who we are. There was no other, there's no other option. And because of that, we always stayed true to the mission. And so, through several evolutions, we just, you know, end up staying together as, as a tribe. The name of the tribe, you know, isn't always that important. Mm-hmm. It's the identity, it's the mission, it's who you are. So now, and you, and you look at it, the same time that we started um, Hilt of Kindred, we started the Wolfskins, you know, and that was all based around, that was the warrior cult of Hilt of Kindred. We, were, right. we based it around the idea of a Germanic war band. And, you know, we drew the people that had that same solid identity into the Wolfskins. And since then, that's the one thing that has stayed. You, you still see it. We wear it on our vests, on our motorcycle vests. You know, um, it's, we're, we're still around. The Kindreds have come and gone. You know, a lot of different tribes have come and gone, but the Wolfskins are still here. And that's why. It's identity. That's the one thing that will bond you together. If you're on the same mission, you're... You, a, a, a real good example is another one that I've heard Master Chim use quite a few times is when you get five people in an elevator and the elevator gets stuck and the building's on fire, guess what? That's a tribe. You now have a mission. People are going to start working together. You know, somebody's going to be a leader. You know, they're going to delegate. They're going to they're gonna figure out how to get out of that elevator, hopefully anyway. Right. <laughs> um, but that's, that, that's how it works. They have a mission. They have an identity. Now, when that mission is over, they may go their separate ways. But when you have an identity that is, you know, it's a part of who you are for life, then you don't go your separate ways. That's interesting. That's interesting because that that's actually a, uh, uh, and and I don't mean to to take a, a powerful concept and and pull it into the profane, but that's a a concept of marketing and of building like an uh, uh, like uh, uh, people who are into Apple or you know, I mean, there's there's people who just love apple they just no matter they don't they refuse to use anything pc um and there's you know there's a uh, uh, there's all sorts of brands like that and that's what they try that's what they strive to do is is connect with people and build an identity so that you are an apple user you're a chevy driver you're a um yep. you know it, it's kind of a 
uh, it's kind of a, uh, a natural uh, desire for humans to, to have some sort of identity or some sort of group that they can plug themselves into and say, I'm a this or I'm a that. Uh, so it's interesting when Harley Davidson is huge with that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Harley, uh, uh, Harley is a big, uh, uh, you, you walk onto a, a Harley dealership and the first thing sales salesman, salesman says to you is you're exactly what Harley Davidson is looking for in a rider. And I mean, they, they immediately create the identity for you. They, right. You know, it's, it's, it's ingenious when you think about it. So simple, but yeah, well, and, and it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and for a long time, Harley's, were you know the identity that Harley had was uh, uh, you know was was something that they wanted to get away from. They wanted to get uh, you know they wanted to get away from the outlaw, the one percenters. Um, and yeah, uh, and that's had, why I don't ride a Harley. Yeah, they had to work hard to to, to get away from that. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That's uh, that's fascinating. Now, do you uh, when when you say you create an identity, is this something that you you is this something that that somebody can move into that identity or is that uh is it something that has to be pre-existing in your in your opinion so you know you're you're former military right so uh, mm-hmm. you know and and the other people like you said military law enforcement kind of uh kind of warrior ethos kind of thing um is that something that if somebody you know if somebody's hanging around you can they can they move into and become part of that mission or is it something that has to be pre-existing uh in your opinion um i think it's case by case but for the most part in my experience it's something that has to happen or has happened you know outside of the uh the wanting to be part of this group you can't just say hey i want to be a wolf skin so i'm going to be a warrior now you know you have to say I want to be a warrior and then later on find a group of warriors to be part of. I see. You know what I mean? There's nobody is born a warrior. Nobody is born, you know, a, a, a paratrooper or an infantryman or anything like that. It's something that has to be done through, you know, through time. But the reason that you do it is because it's, it, it is who you are. That probably, you know, a lot of people are born that way. If they're not and they do it anyway, they probably move away from it later in life. But, you know, there's, there's definitely something, that's that's deep you know it resonates deep down in our dna that, that that says this is who you are this is why you stay on this path so i think that you know recruitment isn't always the best you know um the best term you know you, you or I mean, actually it is the right the best term rather than conversion you know we don't want to convert someone right. to be the identity we are we want to recruit people who are already the identity of, of where we are. Now, now this is interesting because if, if somebody's, if I, if I decide that I want to start a kindred and I want to build a kindred, the natural thing that mm-hmm. most people do is they start looking for other heathens to build that kindred, uh, uh, you know, to, to join the kindred or to, to, you know, they start hanging out and see if they get along and et cetera. Uh, but if I'm hearing you correctly, what, what you might be saying is don't worry about the heathen portion, worry about the identity and you know the he the, the the portion about being heathen may come or it may not come with with each individual but what you want to do is find people who have that identity that you that you want to build and you know you that you want to build your your uh, kindred around or your group around or your you know whatever whatever term people are using these days um 
you know, worry about the identity and then worshiping the gods will come or it won't come. Uh, but that should be right. almost secondary to, uh, you know, to, to the identity. Is that, am I, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got members of the Wolfskins that are not heathen. Now that doesn't mean that they have like a, a you know, a belief system that's completely contrary to, you know, heathenry. It's, they have to fit the mold. They just don't necessarily, you know, have that background. And, and if you really want to get technical about it, you can find it in the lore. Um, uh, it was, uh, man, it's not going to come to me now. Uh, Rolf Krake saga. One of Rolf Krake's men was asked about his, you know, his spiritual beliefs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says, he says, well, you know, you know, yeah, I've, uh, I've always, you know, uh, known of the old gods, you know, or known or back then known of the gods, but he said, I put the strength of my own arm before everything else. And it was, uh, it was actually, uh, Bodvar, Bodvar Berkey that said that. And, you know, that's, he was part of that war band. And now, if, you know, really that's, that's how we worked out, you know, a lot of the, uh, the design for the Wolfskins. You know, we said, well, everybody's not going to be heathen, but they're going to, they're going to have a congruent identity to those of us who are, and they're not going to have anything that's going to, you know, be a, a stark contrast that's going to cause them to be an enemy in the long run. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you're not going to see us going um, out recruiting Southern Baptists. Right. You know right. what I mean? And nothing against Christians or Baptists or anything like that. It's just not the identity. Yeah. You know? it's, it's just like, they're not going to go out recruiting us. It's the, it's the nature of, uh, it's the nature of what you're doing that they're not going to fit in. Um, right. So that's, uh, well, I, I want you to know that, that as, uh, as this gets listened to over and over again, uh, out in the podcastosphere or whatever, uh, whatever weird name people are giving it, um, uh, that, that, uh, you know, each time it's listened to or, or each fifth time or sixth time or 10th time or, or some number, people are going to start bleeding out of their ears when they hear you say that over and over and over again. They're just, going Oh, to, I know uh, their heads are going to explode. And <laughs> their heads are going to explode and they're, they're going to start jumping up and down and, uh, uh, you know, and oh, that's bullshit, and uh, the gods, the gods, the gods. Um, I I don't know if you remember, but um, for for years, uh, Rachel, my wife, used to say that she was not uh, that she was not a heathen. I, I'm not a heathen. I don't worship the gods. I, I I just worship the ancestors. I just I connect with my ancestors. I don't have anything to do with the gods. I'm not a heathen. And um, Finally, I told her, Rachel, you're more heathen than most of the heathens. Like, I mean, just, yeah. you might as well deal with it. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, uh, that, that's really interesting. And I think it's powerful. That's something, that's a powerful piece of advice that people can, can connect on to and start using because it's, it's completely contrarian. And, and what I'm, what I'm saying is the, the use of identity in recruitment rather than, uh, worship uh, rather than than religious affiliation in uh, or conversion and recruitment that that's something that people can get their teeth in and that's powerful um i mean that's a powerful Absolutely. concept that people people are not are not using uh, uh, they don't understand it they're not using it uh you know the, the there are a few people who understand it but most people are not using it they don't understand what you just said so thank you for sharing that because uh you know, it has been, you, you have been, you guys have been together there for a long time and been, uh, you know, have, have a, uh, have a good solid group. And that's uh, a key piece of information there. 
Absolutely. And it, as far as all the people that are going to, you know, bleed out of their ears go, you know, that's one of the reasons that I, I I'm not going to say I stepped away from heathenry, but it, it, it made it easier for me to see things from this perspective. You know, it's like, okay, well, most of these people will sit there and argue as to whether I'm not, whether I'm heathen or not to begin with. And like, I give a shit, you know what I mean? My track record speaks for itself. My success rate, excuse me, our success rate speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's proven. So, you know, like I said, sit in your coffee shop and rant about it all you want on somebody else's <laughs> borrowed Wi-Fi, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, it's, it, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're successful. We're happy. We have a good, strong tribe. We have a good, strong family members. And there's, you know, it, yeah, we still get together. We blow, we stumble. We have, you know, ritual. We do all the things that, we, you know, we always did. And the people that are, you know, not necessarily indoctrinated heathens, they still take part in that. They still, they understand our, our beliefs. They understand what it is and they respect it. And that's what's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Solid, solid information. So, so one last thing, if you, uh, yep. uh, uh, you have somebody who wants to do something, it, it, you have somebody who wants to do something to improve their life. Um, uh, now that, that something might be in the realm of physical fitness, or it might be in the realm of, uh, you know, financially start a business, some sort of side hustle or whatever it happens to be. Somebody wants to do something to make their life better, but they find a, a, a tremendous amount of res- internal resistance to doing it. Um, now that that uh, uh, the resistance might be fear, it might be lazy, it might be whatever. What what is it that you would recommend that these people that that this person does to get to 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 push through that resistance? and do what they're supposed to be doing, you know, do what they want to do. So in other words, how do you take so much, how do you take so much action all the time? You know what I mean? What, what is it that you do internally? What's your internal process or what's your external process or what's your thought process or what's going on when you say, okay, I want to do X and then you just start doing it. Yep. Um, first of all, stop finding the internal resistance. It's that simple. Um, what I what we talked about uh, earlier is a term you said you didn't you didn't like. What I use the term for it is a, is a big picture thinking, mm-hmm. and when you do that, you start to see a wider scope of things. Now the resistance is still there, right? But then you get to see other things, which are the successes, and and, and those are the things that you should capitalize on. So here's a perfect example: Tier One Viking wear, right? Most people don't know how I started the business. I never set out to start a clothing line, apparel company, or anything like that. It was, at the time, we were doing uh, Odin's operators. We were doing outreach uh, stuff for, you know, heathen veterans, PTSD, and stuff like that. And I decided that, you know, um, I wanted to create a few shirts because I saw, at the time, Ranger Up was doing some Viking shirts very badly. And they had, like, the military theme going on. And I was like... You know, I, I'm going to create a couple shirts just for us, you know. And it was the the very first, uh, the Ophidnar and the Berserker and Crest. Mm-hmm. And it was just, man, I'll tell you, I, I, I had this old beat-up laptop that was barely working. I had a friend of mine give me a bootleg uh, Photoshop 
you know, like from that was ages old. And I basically sat there and learned, taught myself how to create those designs, those two designs. And, you know, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, there's just going to be enough shirts for us. You know, I'll do a pre-order and, you know, see if, you know, who wants them, that sort of thing. So when I put it out there, it was, it was amazing. Like so many people wanted that shirt. The pre-order was immense. And I, next thing I know, I'm, you know, sitting there with a brand new computer, you know, creating Excel spreadsheets to manage all this stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, this is success. This is it. I saw it. I capitalized on it and it became what it is today. So anytime you have something like that happen, immediately capitalize on it. It doesn't always have to be this big extravagant plan that you have in your head, you know, that that's, you've been thinking about for years. Something happens, it's success. Okay, that's your next goal because you've already got your, your first steps in the sand. You know, you already got your boots on the ground. You can continue to walk now. Capitalize that. You know, stop worrying about the internal resistance on other things, you know, because once you become successful in one thing, it becomes easier to become successful in others. Right. I couldn't have started, you know, the, the gym without tier one Viking wear. You know, that was the gym was the long term goal and the big picture and everything. That was what I always wanted since I was a kid, you know, but didn't really have, you know, the means or capabilities to do it. But when tier one Viking wear popped up, like I said, almost by accident, I, I gained those means. You know, so that's where, you know, the, the find the little successes that will propel you towards the big ones. And it can be something so simple. I mean, you just find something you're good at. You know, so, if you make a couple dollars doing something, giving somebody advice, give more people advice. So that's interesting because um, if if I'm hearing you, it's mm -hmm. people get freaked out about the totality of. Uh, you know, of, of, in other words, they, they have this huge vision, uh, you know, they have this huge idea of what, uh, you know, of what, what they want to do or what needs to happen to get to their goals or how much work it's going to take to get to, to do X. Um, and what you're saying is don't worry about that. Just, you know, put a couple of designs in your spare time on an old laptop and, you know, see what happens. And, and if nothing came from that, then it, it's, you know, no, no hard, no foul. You, now you know how to use Photoshop and, uh, you have some shirts that identify your group, uh, you know, some shirts for, for your, for your group there. But as it happened, you found some success with it and it was like, okay, well let's, let's keep running with this ball and, uh, and see where it goes. Yeah. So in other words, it's not, you didn't have, uh, you, you don't have, a huge amount of resistance to, to take in the first step because all you're looking at is the first step. Right. Exactly. That's interesting. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes, like I said, the first step, you don't even mean to take it. Right. And that's where the big picture thinking comes in because if you're observing, like there's, I could have just stopped right there. I could have been like, okay, about 20 of each shirt and that's enough to cover the group. I'm good. I'm, just, I'm not taking any more orders, you know, but it was like, wait a minute look at, you know, and then I saw profit margins and I saw everything else. And of course I felt, you know, I had that initial guilt. I was like, am I supposed to be making money off this? <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, I'm like, well, shit, this is, you know, this, this is exactly how it works. It just made sense. Yeah. That that's, that's powerful. So, so don't, don't focus on what it's going to look like five years from now, focus on what you're doing, what's in front of you right now, and then be open mm -hmm to opportunity if it presents itself. 
So if you right. do a little something and nothing happens, okay, fine. Or if you do a little something and suddenly it it you know it explodes, then uh, then great, jump on the you know jump on the horse and ride it. But don't um, uh, you know? But but don't don't think about yourself having to compete in strongman competitions. Think about going to the gym today. Exactly. Cool. I love it. I love it, and I think that uh, if more people focused on that, and and, and I got to tell you, you you kind of brush past it, but for those who have the ears to hear, stop finding the internal resistance is some of the best advice ever given anywhere since the beginning of time. That is powerful. Oh yeah. Um, of course, everybody's going to yeah, say, I'm, "Well, I'm, but I'm, how I'm... do you stop? And what do I do? And how do you do?" And and the answer is, you just stop. <laughs> you stop it. Exactly. Exactly. It's just because, well, there was a point in my life and you'll remember this because of the conversation that we had, you know, where I thought that, you know, the amount of uh, um, adversity and resistance that I experienced in my life was a such a positive thing because it was making me stronger that I created more for myself. Mm -hmm. And every time I turned around, there was a new problem, a new wall to hurdle. And, you know, at one point you were like, do you think that maybe you're creating these for yourself? And, and, I thought about it and I was like, well, shit, yeah, I could have avoided this completely, yeah. you know? And, and that's what, that's what people do. They, they see it and it's, it's there and they get so focused on that, that if they, if they, they just realized that they focused a little less on that problem, you know, cause it's not really going to kill you, you know, right here, right now, it's not going to kill you. And you take that energy and focus it on something that will eventually create a resolution for that problem. You know, if you can't, you know, it's a financial thing. Well, you work on, take that energy and work on making more money and then you'll create a solution for the financial problem. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I remember that conversation and, um, uh, you know, since, since then my, my thinking has adjusted from some of the things that I said uh, at that conversation. Uh, I think it's, mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think pushing up against resistance is important, but I think pushing up against the right resistance is important. So, uh, you know, and, exactly. And, That's what I took away from it. Yeah. You, you, you want to push yourself to your borders and you want to push yourself to your limits. Uh, and you want to uh, become the kind of person who can surpass those limits. But what you want to do is make sure that you're not setting up borders within your comfort zone so that you're constantly pushing on something, but it's pushing on something that's self-made where you're still staying within your little, you know, within your circle. You want to make sure you're pushing on the outer edges of your circle and, uh, uh, you know, and using that as growth. So, uh, so yeah, that was, but I remember, I remember the conversation cause I said, man, I, I, you know, I, I said, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that you're looking, you know, that, that you're, you're looking for resistance to grow, but, uh, you know, I, I just think that what I need comes to me, that the wealth that I need and the, and the, the, uh, you know, the happiness that I need and the things that I, that I, that I need or that I want, uh, just, just, come to me the ancestors bring them to me um and there's uh, uh you know there's some truth and some wisdom in that but there's also truth and wisdom in the necessity of of pushing the out outer borders so that you can uh become better than you are today so uh you know i, I absolutely uh, uh, my my thinking on that has evolved over the last what's it been probably 10 years or so but sure so yeah well, brother, I appreciate it. We're a little over an hour now, and we like to keep these to about an hour. But I mean, I could go on talking with you, you know, for hours and hours and hours. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, right. uh, you know, I'm sure you have things to do, even if it's just, uh, take a couple minutes on Sunday and enjoy yourself. Um, so I'm not going to hold you any longer. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be on with us and it's always, uh, you know, as always, it's always, it's, it's awesome catching up with you. And I hope the, uh, I hope the people take the stuff that you, you know, the, some of the wisdom that you, uh, you shared here, uh, seriously, because it's, uh, some powerful things that, uh, you have, you have given, uh, to the listeners. And I always appreciate that. So thank you. Likewise, man. It's always good talking to you and, uh, anytime we can do it again. Cool. Cool. We'll definitely do that.